Hello, everyone, and thanks for tuning in today to our podcast. I am Pastor Brendan, and joining me today is Pastor David. Um, This podcast exists to encourage us and all of you towards two things. We want to consider and meditate on the words of Scripture, and we also want to apply those words to our lives. Um, This month for the Emmanuel podcast, we are in the book of Proverbs, and today we're on chapter 17, so we're going to read that now. Better a dry crust with peace and quiet than a, than a house full of feasting with strife. A prudent servant will rule over a disgraceful son and will share the inheritance as one of the family. The crucible for silver, silver and the furnace for gold, but the Lord tests the heart. A wicked person listens to, to deceitful lips. A liar pays attention to a destructive tongue. Whoever mocks the poor shows contempt for their maker. Whoever gloats over disaster will not go unpunished. Children's children are a crown to the aged, and parents are the pride of their children. Eloquent lips are suited, are unsuited to a godless fool. How much worse lying lips to a ruler. A bribe is seen as a charm by one who gives it. They think success will come at every turn. Whoever would foster love covers over an offense. But whoever repeats the matter separates close friends. A rebuke impresses a discerning person more than a hundred lashes a fool. Evildoers evil foster rebellion against God, but the messenger, of death, uh, the messenger of death will be set against them. Better to meet a bear robbed of her cubs than a fool bent on folly. Evil will never leave the house of one who pays back evil for good. Starting a quarrel is like breaching a dam, so drop the matter before a dispute breaks out. Acquitting the guilty and condemning the innocent, the Lord detests them both. Why would fools? Why should fools have money in hand to buy wisdom when they are not able to understand it? A friend loves at all times, and a brother is born for a time of adversity. One who has no sense shakes hands and pledge and puts up security for a neighbor. Whoever loves quarrel, whoever loves a quarrel, loves sin. Whoever builds a high gate invites destruction. One whose heart is corrupt does not prosper. One whose tongue is perverse falls into trouble. To have a fool for a child brings grief. There is no joy for the parent of a godless fool. A cheerful heart is good medicine, but a crushed spirit dries up the bones. The wicked accept bribes in secret to pervert the course of justice. A discerning person keeps wisdom in view, but a fool's eyes wander to the ends of the earth. A foolish son brings grief to his father and bitterness to the mother who bore him. If imposing a fine on the innocent is not good, surely to flog honest officials is not right. The one who has knowledge uses words with restraint. And whoever has understanding is even-tempered. Even fools are thought wise if if they keep silent and discerning if they hold their tongues. So, Pastor David, uh, what's kind of jumping out at you from this uh, this proverb? I I know you were saying one of of these verses is one of of your favorite in the the book. Yeah, I love uh, better a dry crust with peace and quiet than a house full of feasting with strife. Uh, verse one. Right? Verse yeah, one. Yeah. It just starts out with a, a banger, so to speak. The <laughs> the deal is like we we value the wrong stuff. 
Like humans value mm. the wrong stuff. Well, yeah. And I like a good meal. I like a good steak. I like a good, uh, really well done potatoes or something really thought out gourmet food. Sure. But that's, I mean, that's, that's the toppings on life. That's not the main course. And so it says the better the dry crust with peace and quiet. And that's the main course. Having, living a peaceful life. Yeah. Having a life where uh, you're not constantly going and constantly doing and constantly running. But just being able to sit down and have some peace. And it says, man, if, if you have to do that, like what, what the Bible's saying here is it's better to live a, a more moderate lifestyle and sure. enjoy your life. Than to have... Feasting with strife. Yeah, with right. like running all the time or have fighting or right. uh, the issues that come with the stress of just doing too much or, or, or trying trying to. So, so that's, I, I, I guess in some ways I'm, I'm applying it to my context. So yeah. the strife comes in my, my life by doing too much. But, <laughs> uh-huh. but it can come from a lot of places. You know, if, you, if you're constantly fighting with your spouse over finances, it says, hey, better to just dial it down than to fight about it. Better to... You're better to have no money and... Yeah, yeah. Dial <laughs> the dial the money down and just sure be more modest. Or yeah. if you're having strife because like you know you're inviting these people over for this feast and the people cause you nothing but trouble, better to not just just have something quieter at your own house. And it talks about peace and quiet. Like those two things are related. Yeah, and and, and the ability to having peace is really the ability to sit down in quiet and 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 just to enjoy it and be okay with it. You know. Not all the stress or the thoughts that, that come with strife, strife and fighting and stress and all the things that the world invites you to. The party the world invites you to has a lot of feasting, but a lot of stress. And so, yeah, you know, I, yeah. I like it. Uh, it. It sings to me right now because we're in a busy season. And I just think about, I always look forward to the season where there's going to be peace and quiet. And it always seems to be one season away. Yeah. You know, if I get to summer, it'll be better. If I get to the winter, it'll be better. It's, yeah. It's, it's, it'll, it'll be better when I choose to make it better. Yeah, I, I'm kind of, I'm right there with you with the, the busyness lately. Um, so, let's see. I, I really, uh, the, the last verse is also a, a great verse. Uh, verse 28, even fools are thought wise if they keep silent and discerning if they hold their tongues. You know, it's like uh, that, that, that idea of, even if you, uh, how how you can make things worse essentially by by trying to fill the fill the space, and sometimes the best thing is is just to be quiet, um, and and even someone who doesn't know have a clue as to the right the right thing to say they're thought to be wise if they're silent. That's right. Yeah, yeah. So the the idea of just um, holding your tongue, you know, the Bible's all about. You know, controlling our tongue is one of the keys to having a a fulfilling life, or having having yeah. less strife, or less stress, or less issues in your life. Just keeping your tongue under control, and I mean, the easiest way to control your tongue is to just stop moving it. You know, just to <laughs> yeah. stop saying words. And you know, there's there's lots of sayings about this. You say you can't say something nice, don't say anything at all. Right, is all the same thing. Just keep your mouth shut. If, if, if it's going to come out wrong or if it's going to offend somebody, maybe it's better just to not. And, and, you know, we all love people who are endlessly encouraging and uplifting. And if you have the ability to do that, then be encouraging and uplifting. But if you don't know what to say to be encouraging or uplifting and you don't know what to say uh, to help people get, 
get through what they're going through or to just be there for them and then just be there for them in quietness and yeah they'll appreciate that more than you trying to explain away their troubles or uh, solve problems that you can't solve or do things of that nature i i I love that verse just just your presence alone right and be comfort you know often enough i also like uh verse nine it says uh he who would foster love covers over an offense but whoever repeats the matter separates close friends yeah so i talk a lot about offense you know in the in the sense of like you're you're standing on a bridge and there's a stream going under you and if you're offended oftentimes you have the ability to just let the water go under the bridge to just let it go mm-hmm. like that yeah. that the world that we interact with is always changing the people that we're talking to are always changing and you know when we're offended about something it could be that the person meant to offend us it's entirely possible that somebody woke up that day is like i'm going to say the most offensive thing i can to the first person i meet it's possible that they say that but usually when I'm offended, the pe- people who offended me didn't mean to offend me. They weren't setting out to make me upset. They weren't setting out to hurt my feelings. They weren't, um, they, that, wasn't their, that wasn't the purpose of their, their heart and soul that morning. They just said something they didn't mean or said something that they did mean in a, in a mean way. They didn't mean to say it the way they said it. Or uh, oftentimes they don't even know what they were saying. They, right. they just said something and they didn't realize that what they were saying was offensive. And, and if they knew, they would often be mortified. Yeah. They would say, oh, I didn't mean to yeah. offend you. Like, I feel really bad now. And what this invites us to is to forget it. Mm-hmm. It's just to let it go. It says, whoever would foster love. That means if you want to be the kind of guy who would foster love, then what you're going to do is cover over an offense. When somebody offends you, when, when somebody invites you to the, to the position of offense and victim and person who's been hurt, you don't have to go. You can say, you know what, I know that person. I know that they probably didn't mean to offend me. I don't have to understand what was going on, if they're having a bad day or a good day, or if they just said the wrong thing. I am capable of just letting it pass by and not thinking about it again. That's what it says. It says they cover over defense. And then the opposite, so let's talk about synthetic parallelism yesterday. Uh, You could talk about antithetical parallelism, which is to say, you say the exact opposite thing, and so the parts... Uh, line up this way and so it says that if you foster love you cover over an offense but if you separate close friends you repeat I mean, the matter yeah 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 and so it, it's it says it's they're they're both opposite so you want to be the kind of person who fosters love or the person who separates close friends and it gives you an action of reach you can either cover over the offense let it go or you can repeat the matter you right. can rehearse it you can live it again you mm-hmm. can Gossip, and gossip, and tell somebody yeah. else, or you could, you know, we say like, I'm, I'm just venting right. my emotions. I'm right. just venting to this person. Well, the science behind that says that when you vent, you're reliving the emotions that you experienced when the thing happened, and it reinforces the anger, and the frustration, and the hurt. Uh, the science tells us that venting is not and actually all that healthy thing to do it's wild it's actually creating neural pathways and reinforcing these neural pathways in your brain i mean it's yeah it's it's very destructive yeah yeah so the bible says you know fool gives full vent to his anger i don't think we've done that proverb yet or it was on a day that we didn't do it and the girls <laughs> did it but the fool gives full vent to his anger is to is is it's one of those things where the bible says something and science came later and just proved they couldn't have known neural pathways or sure, right. or how those things work when when the Bible was written, but 
the science came later and said, yeah, fool, it's foolish to give full vent to your anger because all you're doing is making yourself more angry. And so the Bible says here, what do you do instead? Let it go. Yeah. Cover over it. Like just move on with your life. Don't repeat it. And if you do that, then you become whoever would foster love. Right. Yeah, a New Testament verse that uh, goes hand in hand with this is First Peter 4, 8 that I... I googled while you were talking, <laughs> but it says, "Above all, love each other deeply, because love covers over a multitude of sins." That's right. The same same concept, uh, where where if you foster love, it covers over an offense. In verse nine. Yeah, and then and then in tr- verse fourteen, it kind of continues the idea. It says, "Starting a quarrel is like breaching a dam." So drop the matter before a dispute breaks mm. out. And so, like dams are fun. When I was a kid, I used to build dams. And we, we lived on a military base in, uh, it was not Seattle, it was Bremerton, Washington. And there was this large hill, and when it rained, the water would come down the little gutter, and it would go kind of fast, and so I'd build a dam in the gutter to make like a little pond in front of our house. Sure. And, and it was fun. It was a fun way to like build water, but the, all you had to do to get it broken was make one little path for water to go through, and then the water would start going through there and it would quickly erode the whole sure, dam. It would just right. wash it away. And so, so it says it breeds somebody who uh, uh, starting a coral is like breaching a dam. Mm. And so it's like giving it that one little path. So starting a fight is like giving water that one little path to travel through in your friendship. You know, when you start yeah. a quarrel with somebody, you're you're inviting that whole friendship to be washed away. That that and so you gotta think about is that so if you ask me, are there things worth fighting about? I would say, of course there are. Right. Like, if you have a friend that offends you over and over again and seems to have no idea that they're doing it or is maybe doing it intentionally, eventually you have to say something because you can only paper over it so many times or let it go before it starts to feel like it's on purpose. Sure. Start and to it's get angry. even biblical. and so, you know. Yeah, to confront somebody if, if it's going to turn into sin. Right. Um, and so, of course, there are things worth fighting about. But the question is, what's worth fighting about? Right. Is how much is worth fighting about? How much can we forgive before we have to like mention it and potentially begin that quarrel and breach that dam? Um, and it's a question of whether the friendship is something worth worth fighting for, or if it's something that you just have to let go. And 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 so you remember Proverbs is principles, not promises. That these are ideas that we live by, and they help us. So you got to know that if you're going to start that quarrel, if you're going to breach that dam, it better be worth it because. What, what could happen is from, from dealing with the offense, a dispute could break out. That whole friendship could be washed away. Mm. Um, and sometimes, sometimes you have to do that. And that's, that's the wisdom of the Holy Spirit that's going to tell us when, when to and when not to. Yeah, and, uh, and then you have the verse where it says uh, in 19, whoever loves a quarrel loves sin. Yeah. And, and whoever builds a high gate invites destruction. So the, the idea of a person who, who loves to quarrel, I mean, you can see it in, in people's lives. They just leave a, um, a swath of destructive, I mean, behavior and that just, you know, a, a swath of destroyed relationships throughout their life. Right. You can kind of see the evidence of, of that. And that's like, that's like breaching that dam. You know, it's not just one person, a person that really loves to quarrel, um, you know, will, will have, you know, be sowing in all kinds of destruction. And it brings us back to yesterday's proverb where it talks about God knows our heart. 
God knows our motivations, you know? And that's mm-hmm. the that's the idea, is it? So from time to time, if you're a human, you're probably going to quarrel. You're probably going to fight. You're probably going to have disagreements with people. And so then the question that we're invited to ask ourselves and to take before God is, are we fighting because we like it? Or are we fighting because we have to? Because we're in a situation right. where this this is something worth fighting for and, and we have to do it. And Christians... Um, as a whole, as a, as a whole, as I think sometimes uh, our churches seem to like to fight. And some churches more than others, you know, mm. there's some churches that are really famous for how much they like to fight. And uh, Baptists kind of have a reputation for being like down for a good fight. And I want to say <laughs> like... Good, good business meeting. Yeah, good bu- have a good business meeting fight. <laughs> and I want to say it's, you know, it's kind of funny, but it's really, it's really not cute and it's not fun. No, it's not, it's not good. good. It's, it's not, not good. And that's left, that's left hurt people and hurt churches and hurt pastors um, all around. And so the question becomes like, um, are we letting God kind of tell us what's going on in our heart? Are we, are we examining the reasons that we fight and saying... Is this a fight worth having? Is this a place, is this a hill worth dying on? Because mm-hmm. some are, of course some are. There are things right. that we'll fight for um, just in principle as a church. Things that we believe in, you know, if somebody comes and tells us that we can't preach the Trinity anymore, well, we're going to preach the Trinity. If that means we have to fight and then not be a church, then we'll fight and not be a church because we're going to preach the Trinity. Right. That's important. Um, and so there are things worth fighting about. But then there are other things that we fight about that maybe just aren't, like, you know, what kind of what color of chairs or what kind of music we listen to or whether God's going to come pre-tribulation or post-tribulation. You know, there's all these little minor things that we as the church like to fight about that that they matter. You should use your brain and study and, and come up with your ideas, but we hold those things loosely because uh, ultimately a lot of that stuff's just not 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 super important. Not, not essential yeah. to our faith. Or not, uh, well, it's essential in some, some aspects, but, but uh, you know, I think... What what also plays into this is is pride a lot of the time, wanting to be right. You know, just that that desire to always be right, and and that can be in your relationships, it can be in your church, it can be your friendships and family. But like that that desire um, can really lead to a lot of broken relationships if it's taken out right. Of, out of and what does it buy you, right? Yeah, so like, exactly. I'm sitting here right in my house by myself because my wife left me. That's not a good kind of right. It's tough. You know, that's yeah. a, that would be a tough kind of right, you know? Like, <laughs> like, sure, you're right. You won, bud. And your grand prize is you get to eat dinner by yourself. Yeah. And, and, you know, like when people love to fight, that's kind of the future they build for themselves. They can never build those deep relationships because they're eventually going to fight with the people they build those relationships. There's something inherently unhealthy about it. Um, and like you said, it leaves a, a path of destroyed people behind them or a path of of people who are just confused and hurt. And it doesn't matter how talented you are or how likable you can be, that if if you know that the end of your relationship is going to happen when you uh, are going to intentionally pick fights with the people around you, you're just setting yourself up for harm and hurt and pain. Mm-hmm. And then there you are, sitting in your castle, all by yourself, built with the bricks of you were right about all those things and everybody else was wrong, Yeah, but they're not there anymore. Let's tell you a story about a church uh, that I interviewed at once, and it was a, it was a church out in Oklahoma. I won't say where exactly, but it was out in Oklahoma, and they had a beautiful sanctuary. It was like, it was probably one of the most beautiful sanctuaries I've ever seen. They had done an amazing job of of renovating and building this this beautiful new sanctuary. It was right across the street from the elementary school for this town, um, one of the two elementary schools for this town. So they had a great access. 
they had actually bought the church that was next to them. And so they owned both churches. And, and it was just this gorgeous, like, in the sanctuary stained glass and this beautiful carpet. It was wonderful. And I, and I, uh, I was sitting in the sanctuary and I was drinking my Diet Coke as I am loath, as I often do, right? Drink my Diet Coke. <laughs> and, uh, somebody said, you know, uh, you're allowed to drink Diet Coke because, you know, you're interviewing to be the pastor, but we don't usually let people drink in the sanctuary. I was like, okay, that's cool. So I put the Diet Coke away because I get what they were actually saying. And I said, so what do you do if a visitor comes in and they're drinking like a coffee? And they said, well, we, we would, uh, we, we don't think people would do that. I was like, okay, well, have they ever done that? And they said, well... You know, we used to have uh, a group of teenagers or five or six teenagers that came in, they would drink coffee and sit in the back. And I said, oh, well, what'd you do? And they said, you know, after the second or third time, we went and told them, you know, we love having you here, but you can't drink coffee here. And and so I asked them, so where are the teenagers now? And they said, well, they don't <laughs> oh, go here yeah. anymore. And it's I, like, yeah. and then they quickly filled in because they caught what I was saying. They quickly filled in, but it wasn't because of the coffee. It, was it like, wasn't because of the coffee. Yeah, it was sure. definitely because of the coffee. Oh, like gosh. the spirit of we're willing to fight over whether we have coffee in our sanctuary. We're willing to we're willing to make somebody uncomfortable in church and and start a quarrel over the quality of our carpet is putting away the value of that was a church that was dying. They needed teenagers and young adults and people in their church who right. were willing to spill coffee and leave the lights on and maybe break a hole in a wall. Yeah. They, they, that sanctuary yeah. was so beautiful. And they were willing to fight for the beauty of the sanctuary, but they weren't willing to fight for the soul of the teenager. Mm. And like, like maybe it meant dry cleaning your carpets more often or, uh, or even having a coffee-stained carpet, but you win the teenager, right? It's yeah. deciding what's worth having. And they, the church just decided wrong. And um, you know, I, I, I check in on all the churches that I interview at from time to time, and they're, they're still not doing all that great, is it? Mm. They, they haven't gotten over. Obviously, we decided not to go there. Right, right. Um, and so the, uh, but the, the fact they were willing to fight over the quality of their carpet, but not over the souls of the teenagers, was just so striking. And yeah. I think that's, you know, um, starting a quarrel is like breaching a dam. The, mm-hmm. If you're going to do it, you, it better be worth breaching. It, yeah. You better be willing to deal with the water. I love... Uh... I love the the opposite of that too, because uh, I think we had a, a paper airplane stuck in our lighting rig for a few weeks from the from one of the parents' night out. You know, like those kind of uh, of sm- small things, but you know, like that's evidence of life. It's evidence that's of, right. of of yeah of the next generation coming in and. Yeah, I yeah, want to be yeah. in a church that has a paper airplane stuck in a lighting <laughs> fixture. That if you look up, you're like, oh, there's a paper airplane up there. I wonder how it got there. I want people to wonder how stuff happens in our church. Yeah. And in the way it happens is that teenagers and small children are a nuisance. <laughs> they break stuff. They, they, they wear stuff out. They eat your candy. They go through the drawers. They find all the rubber bands and shoot them at each other. That's what it's like having teenagers and children around. But man... Isn't it? Isn't it fun? It's a beautiful thing, yeah. Yeah. Even though sometimes I could uh, do without picking up all the uh, water bottles that the youth leave. <laughs> Man, I would love to come into my office just once and not have like a pile of teenager stuff sitting on my right. chairs. That, that's my teenager, so I guess it's just what it is. Right. No, but it's totally worth 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 it. Yeah. <clears throat> all right, we're getting kind of long here on this one, so we may need to wrap it up. All right, guys. Well, that's uh, Proverbs. Uh, chapter 17. I uh, hope you enjoyed uh, reading it with us, and I would really encourage you to take some time today, maybe during lunch, to read it, to pick one and to chew on it, to think about it, what it means, and how it applies to your life, because we believe that every word that God gives us is good 
for our learning, for our sanctification, for edification, and for us to become who God's called us to be, which is certainly the best us that we can be. Thanks for joining us, and we hope to see you tomorrow. Thanks, guys.